0: Let me pray, Lord, we thank you for that name, Jesus, the name above every name. The only name unto salvation. Lord, I thank you for what that name brings when people call upon it. Lord, I thank you for the peace and the freedom. Lord, I thank you for the eternity that name brings. Lord, I just speak that name over this room right now, over our lives. Lord, just fill us with your presence. And as we go to your word to learn more about that name, Lord, let it grip our heart and change everything about us. As we see that name is going to be made known to all people over all the earth. Lord, use us to that end. And we pray it in that name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Well, this morning, let's go to God's word. So if you have your Bible, take it out. And I'm going to get you to go ahead and turn to two places this morning. We're going to start in Revelation chapter 4, and we'll be there. But I also want you to turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4. So just go back a few chapters in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians and hold your place there. And hold your place in Revelation 4. And we're going to look at those two verses this morning as we learn more about Revelation and what God is teaching us through this great book. This past week, one night, I don't even remember what night, I was watching TV one night. And as I was watching TV, a commercial came on. And the commercial was for California psychics. And so I watched this commercial, and really what the commercial was for, it was a 1-800 number for a psychic. And you could call a psychic and get a psychic reading so you would know about your future. Now, I haven't seen an ad like that in almost 20 years. About 20 years ago, those ads were on all the time. 1-800-PSYCHIC. And you could call, and you could get your fortune read, and you could know about your future. And I don't know because of the pandemic or all the unrest, but somebody thought it would be a good idea to bring back 1-800-PSYCHIC. And here's the reason why, I guess. Everyone wants to know the future, right? I mean, we do. We want to know what tomorrow holds. Everyone wants to know that. How do I know? Well, think about every religion on earth. Every religion on earth has a teaching about the end times. They have a teaching about death so that you will know what happens to you in the future. Even people who do not believe in religion and who will just deny the name of God, guess what they have? An end time philosophy. What do you think global warming's about? Or climate change, or whatever they're calling it today. That is an end time philosophy. How the world is going to end through climate change. Everyone has and wants to know about tomorrow. And I know you may be thinking, well I don't worry about tomorrow, I'm just content, God's in control. Well you still worry about tomorrow, how do I know? Well do you have a weather app on your phone? You want to know tomorrow, right? You want to know what the weather is going to be tomorrow. So everybody wants to know the future, whether you admit it or not. And I'd be a pretty popular person if I could tell the future, right? I know one thing, I'd be rich. I'd never buy the wrong stock. So I know that I would be popular if I could tell the future. But I'm here to tell you I'm not a psychic. I'm not a prophet. But I can tell you 100% fact what the future is going to be. 100%. And how can I tell you? Well, here's how I know. How many of you believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, that he was born of a virgin, that he was born in a town called Bethlehem, that he lived a sinless life, that he died a sinless death on a cross, he was buried in a grave, but three days later he rose from the grave and ascended up to God. How many of you believe that? Well, guess what? Every bit of that is predicted in this book. It is prophesied that every one of those things would happen to Jesus Christ. And what is more amazing than that, all the prophecies about His first coming, there are eight times the number of prophecies about His second coming, what we're talking about in the book of Revelation. Jesus Christ is coming again, and it is guaranteed, it is assured, and I am going to tell you about it. And Here's what I'm going to try to tell you today. I'm going to try to tell you how And when he's going to come. Now that's the only question. We know he's coming. We just don't know exactly how or when. But today from God's word. I'm going to show you what God's word says. So we're going to start in Revelation chapter 4. Because before we talk about the return of Christ. It's very important that you understand. What happens to believers right now. That die before Jesus Christ returns. Because that determines what's going to happen when he returns. So I want you to see this in Revelation chapter 4. So I just want to start reading in verse 1 and 2. And I want you to see what God's word says here. So look there in verse 1, Revelation 4. Then I, now this is the Apostle John. He says, then I looked and I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the same voice that I had heard before. Now that's the voice of Jesus, Revelation 1. The same voice that I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here and I will show you what must happen after this. Verse 2. And instantly I was in the Spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. Now again, this is the Apostle John. And this is around A.D. 90 is when he wrote these words. And when he wrote these words, he was on the Isle of Patmos on a prison. The Isle of Patmos was just a rock off the coast of Turkey. And it was a prison camp for the Roman Empire. And they had sent John to the prison camp for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And on that isle in the middle of nowhere, God, Jesus, speaks to him. And then not only does God speak to him, he brings him up to heaven. And how does he go into heaven? Verse 2 says, I was in heaven the spirit. Now, I don't know how this worked for John anyway, because his body was left on this earth, but his spirit went to be with the Lord and he was standing before the throne of God. And if you or I, if I was to die right now, a believer in Jesus Christ, this is exactly what would happen to me. My soul, my spirit would go be with the Lord, but my body would be left on this earth, right? That's why we have cemeteries. That's why we have graves. That's why people are buried. That's why the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians, to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. So if I die right now, my body is going to stay right here. It's going to be laying right here, dead. But my spirit, my soul, who I am, is going to be with the Lord in heaven. And if you remember last week, I can't tell you exactly where heaven is. It is only where God is. That is heaven. Wherever God is, is heaven. And so my spirit will be with the Lord forever. But my body is going to be left on this earth. And that's going to be important as we read about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because here's what I believe biblically the Bible teaches about the second coming of Jesus Christ. It is not a one-time event or a one-time thing that just happens and Jesus Christ comes and it's over. The second coming of Jesus Christ actually takes place in two phases. And the Bible teaches about those two phases. Because one time the Bible says he will come on the clouds. A second time he will come on a horse. A white horse that we'll read about in Revelation 19. But the first time Jesus Christ comes back to grab or to get the church, he comes back on clouds. And that's why he said the night before he was crucified to Caiaphas, the high priest who was trying him before the Sanhedrin, he asked Jesus Christ, are you the son of God? And Jesus just said this, it is as you say. And soon you will see the son of man talking about himself, seated at the right hand of God, the place of honor, coming on the clouds of glory. Then, a few days later, when Jesus Christ ascended up into heaven, right after Acts 1-8, where he commissions the church, the Bible says he ascended into the clouds. And then two angels came to the disciples who were staring, gawking up into the heavens, and they say, Why are you staring into the heavens? This Jesus, who you saw ascend, will come back the same way you saw him go. And how did they see him go? In the clouds, right? Okay, That's going to become important as we look at 1 Thessalonians 4. Because 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us how Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth. And Paul is writing here to the church at Thessalonica. And the reason he's writing this letter, one of the main reasons, is because the church at Thessalonica thought they had missed the return of Christ. They thought they had missed it and they were left on this earth. And so there were even people teaching them that they had missed it. So Paul writes them this letter after Timothy comes back and says, Paul, they're messed up, they need to know the truth. And so Paul writes this letter, and one of the things he talks about is the return of Jesus Christ, so they will know what it's like when He comes. So look at verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians 4. This is what Paul says. He says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns... God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, believers who have died in Christ will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on this earth, will be called up in what? The clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Now Paul here tells the church, us, what it's going to be like when Jesus Christ returns. And he says there, he will come on the clouds. How do we know? Because when we're called up, we meet him in the clouds. There's just a few things about the return of Christ here. When he comes back for his church, the Bible tells us that it's going to be a sudden descent because the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Now this is fascinating to me, it's amazing to me, but it's encouraging to me. Because Jesus Christ does not send an angel back for us. He does not send an Old Testament saint to come back for us. He himself, the Lord himself, Jesus Christ who walked this earth, who healed the sick, who died on the cross, who was raised to life, That same Jesus is coming back again. And how's he coming? Well, the Bible says he is going to come with a shout. And that's going to be important in a minute. But the voice of an archangel with the trumpet call of God will announce the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' day, whenever a king would enter a town, they would always have a crier or a herald that would go before the king. And he would go around shouting, The king is coming. The king is coming. The king is coming. And the reason they would do that is because everyone would want to come out and see the king. Not only to see the king, but so they could bow down to the king. And when Jesus Christ returns, they will bow down to him. Because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when he comes back, the Bible teaches there will be a great resurrection. Just like his resurrection, when he rose from the grave, there will be another resurrection. And what will that resurrection entail? It says, the dead in Christ That means all those believers who die before His return and their spirit goes to be with the Lord, their spirit will come back with Him. But what's going to be resurrected? Their bodies from the graves. They're going to meet in the air. Their spirit and their bodies will be reunited and they will receive a new body, a glorified body, just like Jesus Christ had a different body when He came back from the grave than before. How do you know? We'll read about the accounts. He could walk through walls. He could show up in thin air out of nowhere. He could do things he couldn't do before when he had just a normal human fleshly body on this earth. And when we get to heaven, we'll be the same way. And so those believers, those in Christ who have died before us, will come back and their bodies will be reunited. And I know people always ask me the question, Well, what about those people who aren't in a grave? What about those who have been cremated or something else? Well, listen, God made us out of dust in the first place, so I think He can take care of that in the end, right? He can put us back together if He needs to. So don't worry about things like that. It does not matter. Because it will be glorious, whatever it is, when that great resurrection happens. But then for us, those of us right now, those of us that remain when He returns, this is what the Bible says, there's going to be a glorious rapture. Because after that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them. Now the word there we're called up. So many people use the word rapture for that. It's just the Greek word harpazo. And it just means to snatch away. So it means you'll be on this earth one second, and the next second you'll not be on this earth. Where will you be? In the clouds with Jesus Christ. The reason we call that the rapture, because the Latin version of the Bible interprets that word harpazo as rapido. And we transliterate that into rapture. That's where we get the word rapture. But the word rapture, harpazo, rapido, all it means is to be snatched away or called up you read Acts 8, you read about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And Philip teaches the Ethiopian eunuch about Jesus. And then the Ethiopian eunuch gets bat- saved and then baptized. And right after the baptism, the Bible says the Spirit snatches Philip away and takes him somewhere in the north. It's the same word. It's the same image. And that's what's going to happen to all the believers on this earth when Jesus Christ returns in the clouds. We're going to be snatched up and then we'll be reunited with Jesus Christ forever, the Bible says. And not only Jesus... But all those others who come. It is going to be a glorious reunion. And like we talked about last week. You're going to know your loved ones. Your family. Your relatives. And everyone else in heaven. Because you're going to know them. Just as Christ Jesus knows you on this earth. Without all the sin. Without all the mask we put on. Without all the junk. And it is going to be glorious and it is going to be perfect. And that's how Jesus Christ is going to return when he comes back the first time on the clouds of heaven with a commanding shout of an archangel. So I know that leads to the question, well, when in the world is that going to happen? Because everybody wants to know when. And Here's the problem. If you're like me, you've been taught different things over your life of when Jesus Christ is going to return. For most of my life, I was taught that Jesus Christ is going to return with the rapture, taking the church out of this world right here in Revelation chapter 4. And they use John going up to heaven as a metaphor of the church being snatched away. But the only problem with that is John goes to heaven how? In body and spirit? No, he only goes to heaven in spirit. And when we are raptured, when the church is going to be with Jesus forever, our bodies and spirit go to be with the Lord. So I don't believe that's a metaphor for that. Here's what I'll tell you. I know that when Jesus Christ returns. Right before he returns. There is going to be a great harvest on this earth. And I know with everything that's in me. According to the word of God. The only way there can be a harvest on this earth. Is for the church to do its job. Because what has God called the church to do? Make the name Jesus known, right? And how can one person, any person on this earth be saved? Only by the name Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says right before he goes to heaven in Acts 1.8. He says, but you will receive power when your Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's what God has called the church, followers of Jesus Christ to do. To receive power power of the holy spirit and to tell about his name everywhere even to the ends of the earth and right before he went to the cross in matthew 24 this is what jesus says about the end before he comes he says in verse 14 and the good news about the kingdom will be preached where throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come According to Acts 1 8, who is going to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth so that the end will come? The church. And without the church, there is no one to preach the name Jesus. But more important than that, we know that all we do as the church is make the name of Jesus known. We cannot save anyone. The Holy Spirit of God, the work unto salvation, is his work and his work alone, according to John 16. But who did the Holy Spirit come upon? Jesus says, Acts 1-8, when the Holy Spirit becomes upon you, who's he talking to? Followers, disciples, the church. Why do you think Paul says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Where does the Holy Spirit live? In us, right? So if the church gets out before the tribulation and this period of time in Revelation happens, who goes with us? The Holy Spirit of God, right? So how is anyone going to be saved on this earth after that? They're not. So the church must be here to proclaim the gospel. And the Holy Spirit must do his work unto salvation. And then the Bible teaches there's a great harvest. Listen to what Revelation 14 says. Listen to the imagery that we just talked about in 1 Thessalonians 4. Revelation 14 verse 14 says, Then I saw a white cloud. How is Jesus coming the first time? On a cloud, right? Then I saw a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was someone who looked like the Son of Man. How does Jesus always refer to himself? To Caiaphas. Soon you will see the Son of Man seated at the place of honor. God's right hand. Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus always referred to himself as the Son of Man. And seated on the cloud was someone like the Son of Man. He had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud. Now, who's sitting on the cloud? Jesus. Now, why did the angel come from the temple? Who sits in the temple? God the Father. And according to Jesus in Matthew 24, no one knows the day or the hour when Jesus returns, not even Jesus himself, only God the Father. So the angel came from where? God the Father. And what did the angel say? Swing the sickle, for the time of harvest has come. The crop on the earth is ripe. So the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the whole earth was harvested. As I read these words in Revelation 14, to me, it sounds exactly like the words in 1 Thessalonians 4. And it sounds exactly like the command throughout Scripture for us to make the name of Jesus known so that the earth can be harvested, so the lost can be saved before He comes back. That's why Jesus, or that's why Peter says in 2 Peter 3, 9 that God is being patient about His promise. And what is His promise? The return of Jesus Christ. And why is He being patient? Because He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but everyone to come into repentance. He wants everyone to be saved. And he's giving us a chance until Jesus Christ returns here in Revelation 14, harvesting the earth, the church, and everyone who has believed in him, he comes back for. Now, when is that day exactly? I have no idea, and no one else does either, because the Bible says he will come like a thief in the night. So one one knows the day, but as we study Revelation, you are going to be able to see the season. You're going to be able to see the time when you should be ready. And not only should you be ready, but everyone you love should be ready. Because when Jesus Christ comes back here in Revelation 14, after this point, it is too late. Because God's patience runs out. And those who have not come to repentance will be destroyed because the Bible teaches in Revelation, God will pour out His wrath on this earth. So what does that mean for you and I? Here's why we're studying Revelation. It is not so that you will know the future. It is so that you will be faithful in the present. That's why God gives us his word. Not so that we can stand in arrogance and tell everyone we know what's going to happen. It's so that we will be faithful to do what we're called with the time that we have left. And what are we called to do? Make the name Jesus known. One of my favorite places on earth is just outside the city of Abato, Ecuador, up in the Andes Mountains. It's the first place I ever went on a mission trip, and I went back there 10 or 12 times. And at this little orphanage, the missionary who runs it has built a little chapel. And it's not a big chapel, it's just a little church that maybe seats 40 or 50 people. But the way he built it is he built the chapel facing those Andes Mountains. And right at the back of the church, there are three huge plate glass windows. And the pulpit sits right in front of those three plate glass windows. So as you're looking at the preacher preach, you're looking at the Andes Mountains. And it is one of the most beautiful sights you'll ever see. I love preaching there. First time I went to that chapel, one thing bothered me. Because every time I would go into that chapel, those beautiful plate glass windows would have face prints and handprints and smudges all over them. And it just drove me crazy. One day I asked the missionary, I said, why in the world will y'all not clean that glass? And he said, John, we clean it almost every day. But we teach our kids, we teach these orphans that Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth. And every day they go push their face and their hands against that window looking for Jesus. I didn't care about those smudges as much after that. what if we would have the same anticipation for the return of Christ as those orphans do? How would it change our life? How would it change the way we live? How would it change the words we speak? Well, it would change it. Because not long after this, the missionary said this to me about those orphans in that orphanage. He said, John, if we can get these children the Word of God and Jesus Christ, this earth will be the only hell they ever know. And he said this, but if we don't, this earth will be the only heaven they ever see. And that's so true, and can you imagine that? Can you imagine this earth, all the garbage that's going on around us, and all the junk you see, can you imagine that being the only heaven you ever see in this life? Well, that is reality for those who do not know Christ Jesus. But it's also reality for those who do. This life is the only hell you will ever taste. Because one day, you will be at our hope and glory with Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever. But the key is Jesus. Because everything hinges on that name. You either believe that name or reject that name and there is no in between. And God has called us who believe. To remain faithful. And 1 John 2.28 says this. Remain in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So that when he comes back. When he returns. You will stand with courage. And not shrink back in shame. So that verse only gives us two options as believers. When he returns, we will either be shameful. We will stand with courage and anticipation and longing for the Lord Jesus Christ. So which is it for you? Which is it for you? Bow with me, Lord. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for the hope that it brings. Lord, I pray for every person in this room. I pray that they know the name Jesus. And Lord, I pray if they don't. Through the power of your spirit. That today you would draw them to yourself. help us to long. Help us to anticipate the coming of the Lord. Just continue to reveal truth into our lives so that we can speak Your truth into this world. We love You. We need You. So bless this time. And Lord, we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. This morning as we close, I'm just going to ask you to close in prayer. Whatever that prayer means for you. Maybe this morning you're here and maybe you need Jesus Christ. Maybe for whatever reason, as I talk about His return, you just have an unsettled spirit and you know you're not ready if Jesus Christ were to come back like a thief in the night today. The reason you're hearing that message is because God wants you to be ready and He is being patient with you. And Isaiah 55 says that you should call upon the Spirit while He is near. Now what's the implication of that verse? The Spirit of God will not always be near. Why? Because when the Spirit of God leaves, as the church is raptured, it will be too late for you to call upon the name of the Lord. So call upon the name of the Lord while He is near. If you need Jesus, call upon His name today. Believe in His name. Confess His name. And that's the way Romans 10 says, you shall be saved. Maybe today you've done that, but... Maybe today you need to pray for someone in your life who hasn't. For whatever reason, you just haven't been comfortable sharing the gospel with them or telling them about Jesus. The reason we're studying this is so that you will know time is drawing near to share the gospel. If you live like today is your last day on this earth, one day you're going to be right. So live every day that way. Make the most of what God has given you to make His name known. Pray for those in your life that need Jesus. And pray that you will be the one to speak that name. If you want to come to this altar and pray, it's fine. You come to this altar and pray. If you want to meet with God in this place, kneel before Him. If you want to stay where you are, stay where you are. It doesn't matter. As the praise man sings, you meet with God in this place. So right now, bow your head and close your eyes. Talk to God.